Good morning, everybody. Uh, Today, I'm going to be reading from the book of John, chapter 11, 1 to 44. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sister sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, The illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then, after this, he said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and are you going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of the world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died, and for your sake I'm glad that I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us go also, that we may die with him. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about four miles off, sorry, two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give to you. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise on the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to to weep there. Now when Mary had come to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. 
Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on the account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen straps and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to him, unbind him and let him go. This is the word of the Lord. I'm going to use this, right? Good morning, church. Do you have your ears, eyes, and heart ready? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you with hearts open to receive receive your word. Open our minds to understand the depths of your truth and open our hearts to embrace the resurrection and the life found in the person of Jesus Christ. Guide us on this journey so that that we may encounter your glory and purpose. In Jesus' name, we pray, amen. We We have come to the final sign in the Gospel of John, which marks the end of Jesus' ministry and lead us to the last week before his crucifixion, starting next week in chapter 13, in two weeks, I'm sorry, chapter 13, it is the last week on the life of Jesus Christ. So chapter 13 to 21 in John is just dedicated to the last week of Jesus. But at the heart of the passage for this morning lies a powerful declaration of Jesus where he proclaims, I am the resurrection and the life. Beyond offering eternal life after death, Jesus presents himself as the source of true life while we walk on this this earth. So let us explore this profound truth together. If we go to the opening verses of this chapter, we encounter Jesus receiving news that his dear friend Lazarus is sick. Surprisingly, instead of rushing to his side, Jesus intentionally delays his response. Now you may wonder, why? Why would Jesus do such a thing? And well, the answer is in our text in this morning. He had a divine plan. A plan that would display God's glory and and purpose in a remarkable way. So if we read in verse 4, it says, Don't worry. 
This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. And as, as we reflect on this truth, we can also relate to the experience of delay in our lives. How many of you like to wait? Kids, do you like to wait for the snacks? Do you like to wait for uh, the time that you are going to go and have a camping day? Or is it very hard to wait? It's very hard to wait, right? So in our Christian lives as well, we relate to this experience of delay in our own lives. Where fervent prayers seemingly go unanswered. Have you experienced that? Leading to frustration and doubts about God's love and care. However, let me assure you, my friends, that these delays are not signs of neglect, but acts of love for God's plan far surpass our limited understanding. Always God, always God had a plan in hand when we are waiting for his answers. Even the disciples themselves struggled to comprehend the significance of Jesus' actions. They were questioning his decisions, right? Are you sure that you want to go to die? Just a few days, they want to kill you, Jesus. And then you hear the, the very famous uh, disciple of Jesus, Thomas, Let's go to die with him. I, I don't know if he was saying that, you know, with, from the bottom of his heart. I think he was like a little bit ironic in this expression. Let's go and die with Jesus. Yay. Right? <laughs> Nevertheless, Jesus reassured them that Lazarus had indeed passed away. And he expressed his gladness because their faith will be strengthened through this extraordinary event. I love a little, a little article that I read called, Don't Waste Your Suffering. And in the article, this person who wrote it says, because God will use it for his glory. And upon Jesus' arrival, Martha, Lazarus' sister, came to Jesus and expressed her disappointment in his delay. Notice what she said to Jesus in verse 21. If you, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. In other words, in the midst of her grief 
and pain, Martha is essentially telling Jesus, your time in Jesus is terrible. You are too late. My brother is dead. And he, her initial words to Jesus combine a little bit of complain, a little bit of rebuke to Jesus, but as well, at the end, she showed a little bit of faith. Notice what she said in verse 22. But even now, she said to Jesus, after she was rebuking and complaining, but even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. And I want you to notice how Jesus responded to Martha. He used one of the most profound words that humans have ever heard. He declared himself as, I am the resurrection, Martha, and I am the life. That is the answer that Jesus gave to Martha. In other words, Jesus said to Martha, it's not what I can ask of God the Father. God the Father has already answered your prayer. I am the resurrection and I am the life. That is what you need. Nothing else. You just need to believe in me. And dear friends, let me tell you something. This invitation to believe in him as the resurrection and the life is not merely an answer for the future when we are going to be res resurrected, but it's an answer for the present. When we embrace Jesus as our Lord and Savior, a new resurrected life begins within us. This life is not about mere existence, but about developing a deep and meaningful relationship with God, the Father, as was intended since the beginning of creation. That was God's intended plan for all of us. So what Jesus is saying here is that when you believe, you are going to have that life that is a connection a relationship again with God the Father. It's about finding true purpose now. It's about finding joy in the middle of the storm that you are experiencing right now. And it is about hope in the middle of the darkest night of our lives, of our everyday lives. What Jesus was telling to Martha is that eternal life starts now. It's not going to be 
after you are resurrected. And again, this journey begins when we believe in who Jesus is and what he has done for us. The full answer that Jesus gave to Martha was, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Believing in Jesus marks the beginning of eternal life. Eternal life does not begin when we die. It's a start now and will continue after we die and will and we'll go on forever and ever. Resurrection is going to be the continuation of the life that you had already received from Jesus when you believe. That is what Jesus is for us. He is the life and the resurrection. And he will, in this life, will continue forever. Imagine the greatest enemy of humanity being now so insignificant. Death for a believer becomes nothing. Because of Jesus. So, why should we be afraid of tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, nakedness or danger? Why? If death is now nothing, no one can take away the eternal life that we have received when we believe in Jesus. No one, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nothing can separate us from this resurrected life that we have in Jesus. The story of Paul is a remarkable example of this new life we receive when we believe. His encounter with the resurrection and the life, his encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus changed the course of his life. And after this encounter with Jesus, the resurrection and the life, Paul said with full confidence, for the sake of Christ, for the sake of this life I have received, then I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecution, and calamities. For when I am weak, he was saying, I have this powerful life flowing from within. When I am weak, then I am, they am, I am, I am strong. And then later in his letter to the Philippians in chapter 4, verse 12 and 13 says, In any and 
every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty, facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And this is the famous verse that we all know. I can do all things through the resurrection and the life. I can do all things through Jesus who strengthens me. What a beautiful declaration of new life through this man. My dear friends, if you are here and if you find yourself in a place of deep darkness, feeling lost, lonely, and unable to see beyond the fog, beyond this night, I want to ask you a question. Do you believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life for you? Do you acknowledge him as the only one who can provide true and abundant life? Will you accept Jesus as your Savior, your Lord and source of life? If so, dear friend, a life filled with hope and purpose is offered to you. Starting from this very moment. Do you have this life? But if we continue with, with, if we continue with our passage, we encounter another powerful moment. Jesus meets Mary, Lazarus' other sister, who is overwhelmed by grief. And can you guess what she did? She did a little thing different than Martha. She ran to him and fell down at his feet. Imagine this. She was in front of God in human form, crying and calling out the same words her sister has said before. She repeated the same exactly words that Martha did. Lord, if you have been here, my brother would not have died. I want you to notice none of them were rejected by Jesus. So you see, it doesn't matter how we react in these difficult circumstances in life. God is willing to receive us. God is willing to accept us. Jesus is with his arms open asking us to come to him. What a beautiful example of these women. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Verse 32. And what does Jesus do? He weeps. Period. Your brother and sister we see here that Jesus cherishing Mary's sorrow and shows his deep empathy. 
as well, Jesus is seeing your tears. As well, Jesus is bearing your grief and carries your sorrows. In Jesus, friends, we approach a God that, who truly understands our emotions and our sorrows. Let me tell you about a beautiful part of a book called The Magician's Nephew by C.S. Lewis. If you kids haven't read those books, The Chronicles of Narnia, please tell your dad, I need those books. If you don't want to buy parents, I have a copy of the eight. seven books, Annelies? Seven books. You can use them. But listen to this story. The story is set in a place called Narnia, and the main character is a boy named Diggory. Diggory is in Narnia, but he can't stop thinking about his mother who is in our world. Very, very sick. Diggory hopes that Aslam, a lion in the story, can make his mom better. He even has a vision of Aslan healing her. So when Diggory finally sees the lion, he desperately asks, Please, 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 Aslan, can you heal my mother? Now, this is the amazing part. Diggory looks up and sees something that surprises him more than anything he has seen in his life. The mighty lion, Aslam, lowers his head and huge tears shine in his eyes. These tears are so big compared to Diggory's own tears that for a moment, for a moment, Diggory feels like the lion must be even more sorrowful about his mother than he is. Jesus is intimately acquainted with grief. He sees your tears, bears your grief, and carries your sorrows. When you pray, remember that you approach a God who empathizes with you. His tears are the healing balm for your wounds. And as we approach the closing of our passage, Jesus stands before Lazarus' tomb, deeply moved with both tears and anger. Yes, when we read in verse 38 that Jesus was deeply moved, the meaning is similar to the sound of a war horse charging into battle. That is the meaning of deeply 
moved. At that moment, he is moved by both sorrow and anger. His sorrow matches his determination to confront death, the ultimate enemy. Here we see Jesus like a king riding a horse, ready for battle, fighting for you and for me, charging into battle against death and its temporary power. And so, at the end of this verse 38 and 44, Jesus' language shifts to a commanding tone as he was commanding soldiers with authority. Jesus commands those around him, first, remove the stone from the tomb. Second, he calls Lazarus forth, and Lazarus emerged no longer bound to death. And lastly, he commands to unbind him and let him go free. This is the act of our victorious king who conquered death and defends his people. Dear friends, remember that Jesus invites us to a life beyond death, where his resurrection power works in and through us. As well, this is an opportunity to share our stories of healing, restoration, and hope, accepting the compassion and tears of Jesus who sees our sorrows and carries our burdens. In life's darkest moments, find consolation and strength in the victorious king who conquered death. Jesus, the embodiment of resurrection and life, extends a personal invitation to experience his boundless love, uncontainable joy, and unwavering hope for today, for tomorrow, and for the eternity. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the profound truth in your word. You are the resurrection and the life, now and forever. Transform us with your resurrection power. Fill, fill us with hope, purpose, and joy. And help us to trust your divine timing and embrace your greater plans for us. Pray these in the name of Jesus. Amen.